0: Edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and I'm very, very happy to be virtually joined by my friend, Brant James, all the way across the country in Florida, but we're linked by the magic of Skype. Brant, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. I feel like we are virtually reaching across those flyover states and hugging somewhere around eastern Colorado, maybe around a Kansas or Nebraska area. It's pretty good.
0: So like if we were gonna meet halfway, we'd have to go to like Nebraska? Is that what you're saying?
1: We'd we'd pick a spot, we'd we'd make an X on the map, and it'd be like the middle of a cornfield, and we'd meet right there
0: and be hug and uh, I
1: don't know, maybe, you know, have a cup of coffee or something, and then just walk back, you know, do what we do.
0: Cool. So uh, in lieu of being at a Starbucks in the middle of Nebraska, we were able <laughs> to join you together by the magic of Skype. And we are here today because we're talking to talk about awards and superlatives and the best and worst things of the year but of course because it's brant and i we can't just have regular awards we have to have some offbeat awards and so that's what we're going to do today we have 10 categories that we've come up for you guys uh now brant what are we what are we calling these awards by the way Wow,
1: I guess we have to combine
0: and, our names or something. We do. Uh, let's see, Brand Plus, Jeff,
1: the Gluck. Uh, the I don't know. I mean, it's your podcast. I think we just call them the Gluckies or the Glucksters to start. I mean, I think oh, that's no, gonna be
0: no, no. You're you're as much a part of this, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take all the blame for when people get mad. <laughs> I think uh, we either go with the the b r e f f, you know, or, or, or a no, that sounds like uh-huh. Zach Braff or the it does the the Jant. The, I don't know
1: the,
0: the, I, I, the I, Gent Awards with a uh, no, I don't know. What do you? It
1: think? sounds kind of it sounds kind of uh, men's clubby. Um, I don't know. I, I think in the spirit of you taking all the blame for what people hate and the fact that you called me on the Skype machine and this is your unnamed podcast, I think year one, maybe just a working title, uh, are, are the Gluckies.
0: Wow, okay. You have, you want no part of this, Brant. Well, let's just see how it unfolds. <laughs> uh, okay, so first of all, our, our first category is going to be Best NASCAR Twitter Feud. And uh, I know people get cranky on Twitter sometimes, so um, I guess I'll start with one of the nominees that I can think of. And and by the way, the format for this, for, for those listening, is we're going to throw out some nominees. We're going to try to bi- basically do it on the fly. We haven't really... Um, pre-planned because I don't want to know what Brant says and have that uh, color my view on things so um, I'm, we'll throw out some nominees together combine our minds and then we'll give our picks for each award so um, the one best Twitter feud uh, that, that comes to mind first I guess is uh, Keselowski talking about the Toyotas and then the oh, Toyota drivers that best one. no that, this is just a nominee it's just a nominee uh, <laughs> it's the best one Okay, do you, what is that the one you were thinking of? It was
1: absolutely the one I was going to take. I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to like to poo poo this from the beginning, but seriously, th- this is this is the Oscar plus uh, Clio plus Academy Award plus Grammy right here. I don't, I don't know who's going to top this one, but let's talk it out. Let's talk it out. Maybe something else will pop into our mind.
0: No, I think you're right. I mean, th- this one got a lot of attention on TV and um, I I've kind of feel weird about this one because actually you we were both in Sonoma for the yeah. IndyCar finale when this happened. Yeah. And I had, we were, it was like in between IndyCar practices or something. And I had, uh, I was trying to catch up with what was happening in NASCAR. So I tweeted, uh, I looked at the practice order from NASCAR and, and, you know, I was like, Oh, Toyotas are one, two, three, four, five or whatever. And, you know, not, you know, I, we, we go back to our little IndyCar stuff. Next thing you know, I get a notification on my phone and it's like, Brad Keselowski has retweeted you. Or I was like, Oh, what's <laughs> this? And and he said, you know, we're in for a rude awakening. And, um, and then all of a sudden you know we were watching uh, practice on NBCSN in the uh, in the media uh, in the media center in IndyCar at Sonoma and they're like talking about the tweet and like my name's getting thrown out. I'm like, how's this what had what happened here?
1: <laughs> you were stirring the pot from a long ways away you instigator.
0: I, I, I really didn't mean to but I guess Brad Kozlowski uh, couldn't help himself there but here's the thing about his tweet uh, didn't he turn out to be right?
1: It, it seems like he was right-ish. I mean, the Toyota camp doesn't want to, you know, let the perception be out there that they had any sort of advantage because it sort of makes the human beings that work on the machines seem a little bit less a part of the equation. But yeah, I mean, look at the way the season panned out. Look at the way it trickled down to down to Homestead um, just like the whole season was a representation or the, the final was a representation of the season with with Truex winning it so it was sort of the way the manufacturer shook out getting to Miami
0: yeah all right well you know I think that that seems like the that, that category was too easy hopefully the other cars the the other categories won't be as easy but
1: it was a warm-up it was a warm-up Yes. okay They're so just so getting a sense of it the fans are just getting how this works now
0: I'm not committing to calling them gluckies yet but whatever whoever <laughs> whatever that first award was, goes to, at least from, I think I think we both agree, um, Brad Kozlowski versus Toyota for best NASCAR Twitter feud.
1: And with those two, it's almost a lifetime achievement award. <laughs> just from jump, because it's happened, it's happening, it's going to happen, and it's, it's kind of unfair. It's like Dale Jr. and the most popular driver award. As long as they're in each other's presence, you might as well engrave the trophy.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for the sequel. Hopefully it is even better than the original. <laughs> so category number two here. And uh, this, this is going to be a little bit difficult because there's, there's many of these, but um, we're going to go crankiest interview of the year. And what I'm thinking is this, the criteria for this, it, has, it can't be a, a one-on-one interview or something where you, know, you just got blown off by some driver. Uh, it has to be something that happened in the media center or a high-profile moment. So uh, automatically here, my mind goes to Kyle Busch. He had several. Yes. Uh, do you, do yes. you have any? Is, is that what you're thinking as well? Some Kyle Busch Yeah, Bush yeah,
1: moments? yeah he's, he's had a couple. But uh, my first one is uh, our dear close friend Bob Pockers of ESPN queues him up uh, after the Coke 600, that 17-and-a-half-hour uh, race. And um, he, he finishes second to Austin Dillon. Dillon stretches fuel. Kyle can't quite get there. And Bob asked, uh, just asked him about his thoughts on Austin Dillon winning, uh, winning uh, if he was surprised by it. And I think his quote was something of a head sort of like look on his face like he's having an allergic reaction. And then he, he did like sort of a real glance by nose pick kind of a thing. And he said, I'm not surprised by anything. Congratulations. And boom, not just a mic drop, but just sort of a fling, a little projectile. And uh, that was it.
0: <laughs> that, really was, that really was a good one. Uh, yeah. The the only other Kyle Busch one that I think really comes to mind was after the Vegas fight um, mm. when he did not want to talk and he came out and said everything is great, everything is great, everything is great <laughs> and and refused to talk or say anything um, after after the whole fight thing. But you know in in that case I don't think you know that that seemed so pre planned and yeah. you know that that was like calculated like I'm just not going to say anything because he was coming yeah. out of the NASCAR Hall or I think after they had spoken to him and he and i think you know bill janet's his pr guy or whatever just like hey you know you don't have to talk maybe um but anyway so um yeah i think i think the one that you mentioned is has got to be my pick um that that was a really that was a truly cranky moment it got parodied a lot we saw that mic drop several times i think jrm 360 did their own thing on it yeah so that's my pick that's your pick as well
1: it is yeah drivers were at dover uh drivers were sort of making fun of that and having a little little sport with kyle and and he's he's, he makes this easy i mean as you mentioned before he's this sort of king of the is it canned one-liner what was it balls and strikes you know before talking about officiating it's almost like he writes that stuff on the glove He just sits there and simmers waiting for the chance to drop it but uh yeah the 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 uh the Hornet attack, rub your face, glancing nose pick, drop the mic. Man, I think that's that's minted right there.
0: Okay. So we've come to unanimous choices on the first two categories here. And now we'll move on to number three, which is best rule change. Now, this could be um, not only a rule that happened before the season, Brant, but this could also be something that was changed mid-season because that tends to happen in NASCAR. So – um, Let's just, let's just try to spitball some of the, some of the categories here. Uh, obviously, you had the stages and the playoff yeah. points, which, were, which are pretty, a pretty big rule change. You also had them um, change the overtime line in the middle of the season.
1: Good um, one. They
0: got rid of that, and they moved it back to the start-finish line to basically make it a green-white checkered, although they refused to call it a green-white checkered, even though it's the exact same rule. <laughs> except, I think, with unlimited attempts instead of three attempts. So that's another one. Do you have any rule changes that pop to mind for you?
1: Those are the two biggest ones. And another thing I was thinking of, it's not exactly a rule, but uh, the the enhanced weekend, and I'm just going to use that for a point of reference and then just not use that term anymore, but just the experiment uh, shortening down weekends to, to two-day shows. I think we had four of them. Was there a Watkins Glen, a Martinsville, a Pocono, and uh
0: You had, uh, um, I think... Mar- I think Well, the the main ones where they did the qualifying on race day, there was just three of them. There was just uh, Pocono, Glen, and Martinsville, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what it was. But You're right. Um, I thought there was four. Anyway. uh, But, yes, I like that. That's not really a rules change. That's sort of of a a method of operation change. I like that. Uh, I know there's some promoters out there, Eddie Gossage, who doesn't like that kind of thing. But I I think the fans are starting to get behind that, getting a little more uh, meat in the days that they attract that they're attracted to the track and i think that was a big deal um but yeah stage racing i think is probably the king of the hill on this one um and and the the the, uh, removal of the uh, start finish line from its new spot on the back stretch stretch back to the start finish line was a big one an adjustment made after indy but um i think especially the way that the points played out and martin truex jr and cole pern's exploitation of it uh, and i mean that in a complimentary way they were they were masterful uh is definitely the uh, rules change of the year
0: okay well let me throw this in in there because i don't know this is actually a rules change but i'll i'll you know i'll put it in for our purposes here so uh, after the michigan race uh drivers complained about debris cautions and pretty much Mm. from that point on at least it was a policy change it seemed like from nascar where they did not have um they kind of let the races play out as much as possible and they're they actually had a Specific policy change where if there was debris late in the race, David Mm -hmm. Hoots would get on the radio and say, bring that debris to the hauler um, so people can inspect it after the race. Like they were really – if there wasn't debris they could pick up and show the teams afterwards, they would not call debris cautions. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think Dustin Long wrote something. There was like only 21 debris cautions all year. And like 10 years ago, there was 85 debris cautions in a season. Wow. And even last year, I think there was like 51. So that dropped dramatically. So let's – just for the argument's sake here, if you had to put uh, the lack of debris cautions or letting the race play out versus stage racing and that rule change, which, which gets your award? Do you still go stage racing?
1: I think you got to go stage racing because it, because it affected every lap um, of every race. Now, granted, a uh, uh, timely or untimely, depending on where you're running, debris caution can affect what you've done uh, to that point uh, for any driver – but I think the fact that the stage racing is uh, was important in strategizing every single thing that you do, um, I think that's got to be it. And, and uh, I will put in our uh, virtual ballot box for the possible uh, 2018 rule change, and we're going to go air guns, baby. I think those standard air guns are going to have some uh, have some significance, that in removing a crew member. But I think we've already got two in the hopper for next year, so make sure you uh, – you keep a file on that on your desktop for, you know, like 365
0: days. Yeah. Why don't I keep files? Or why don't you, keep? Why don't, maybe you do. I, I, I feel like I always get to the end of the season and then when I want to think about like, what was the best race or what was the best moment or what was the best quote? I go, damn, I should have been keeping this all year.
1: Yeah. You know, what's weird is I am a cloud guy. I keep everything on the cloud. I keep every interview there. Um, I keep audio files. I keep that stuff around, but I really wish that I was wealthy enough to have some sort of personal assistant who could find this stuff and give it to me as I need it because I, I tend to remember things sort of in concepts like, like our, our mutual friend and comrade Nate Ryan has such a great memory for this because he, he, he segments this stuff and he probably would have gone through and added eight things to each of these categories because he remembers things like that and and like you i have to, i save it and i keep it but i still have to rifle through it to sort of like jog my memory on on what happened like three days ago i'm trying to remember what i had for lunch right now and i'm I'm coming up blank.
0: no nate's nate's memory is unbelievable he's probably listening to this right now and and like screaming at the speaker so, going, disappointed. You he's so disappointed he's Why so can't disappointed you, right yes now. exactly like he's he probably completely knows all this other stuff that, you know, I, I can't tell you who won, like, half the races this year without really thinking about it. Yeah. You could say, Nate, hey, who won the 2013 Kansas race? And he goes, uh, you know, Greg Biffle or whatever. I don't know and how like, he does it. I don't, yeah, instantly, I don't, yeah. know. I don't
1: know. My memory is like a caveman. You ask me to sum up the 2017 season, my mind would just go Truex good.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully we'll come up with some stuff for the other. Uh, and fire bad Truex good. Seven awards we have left, so we're, we could be in trouble. Um, so this is a category that, uh, you, you have come up with. I think it's very good because there is a lot, uh, to go on here and it was coolest thing Cole Pern did. That's, that's the award category. So do you want to start us off?
1: Yeah, I, I'll, I'll try not to take all of them because uh, I think we were in, in the same place for a couple of them, but I mean, we, I'll, I'll just gloss it and say we were on the, the trip together with, with the Toyota folks going to park city and, uh, Salt Lake city uh for for, with the olympians and we saw him uh do some skating you know basically say i'm not going to be able to skate in these long speed skating skates i'm a canadian hockey player and this won't be very easy at all and he's shushing around the place like looking like a coach within a couple seconds Uh, i'm pretty sure he would have just jumped right off that ski jump if they'd let him but um to me it was interesting watching him grow into the role of I mean, I think he's kind of become the rock star crew chief now. It used to be Chad Canals with obvious reasons, seven titles. But it was interesting to watch Cole Pern grow in that role from the guy who calls a good race and then something goes wrong to the guy who's helping Martin Truex Jr. dominate the season. And my favorite moment with him this year was after the race in Dover, the, the playoff race in Dover. He was just standing there. He was thumbing through his phone. And I got to throw any question at him for a Monday follow story or something. And I asked him about other manufacturers still carping about, um, you know, Toyota. And if he thought that the other manufacturers were catching up to Toyota now that they were getting to the playoffs and he just looked up and he wasn't mad or anything. It was just, just an honest quote. He goes, yeah, you know, I think those guys ought to spend less time worrying about me and just worry about what they do.
0: <laughs> I'm like, in such a my- Canadian way
1: it's such a and that's what it's all about i mean if you if you write that quote down it looks totally inflammatory and the guy was just like thumbing through instagram or something and it's like that was just his opinion it was unvarnished he wasn't trying to rile anything up but it's just what he felt and it's just it, to me it sort of spoke to to the inner coal um that this is just sort of a this guy just does what he does and he's, he's really good at it right now and i thought it was just a a really cool moment and he seems to be having a lot of fun and you like to think that he's able to hope that he's able to continue doing that.
0: Yeah. I, I, when you, when you mentioned this category, my thoughts went to his Twitter account. Uh, um, yeah. he's, uh, he, his tweets are unbelievable. I mean, he had the one, um, you know, just trying, trying to scroll through him here. He, uh, September 24th, he tweeted, I almost knelt for the Canadian national anthem today just to see what would happen <laughs> and then put in parentheses, I'm joking for all the dumb people. Uh, <laughs>
1: He's just so fireproof. He just doesn't care, and yeah. and, I, and I and I think it. I don't think he's trying to stir something up and just pull away from it. It's it's just really great.
0: Yeah. Well, my favorite one, uh, I, I do have to go with one that's you know maybe a, a moment that uh, he's not proud of, or, or maybe he just he just got in trouble for it. Sounds like, but uh, he posted after the homestead race the picture of him peeing.
1: Um, oh, yeah. Up
0: against the wall, and so it was like the, this is the best piss I've ever had. Then he had to delete <laughs> the tweet, but that that is going to be course. my pick, Brant, for the coolest thing he did all year. Despite you know the the Olympic stuff, he raised a great point. He was skating around with his arms behind his back like he was a professional yep. skater, and I mean he was outdoing all the drivers in every sport. Um, yeah, but that that was just uh, that was pretty cool. I, I liked his I liked his Twitter stuff.
1: There, there's one more that I think you'll like on the Utah trip. Before he got on that skiing simulator machine, uh, we were both changing uh, in the locker room because they were about to put me on a bicycle and torture us with this CrossFit stuff. And um, on the flight out, I'd, I'd worn my uh, Seahawks shirt underneath my pullover because I'm a Seahawks fan. You are you being a Denver guy will appreciate this. And Furniture Row being located in Denver, so anyway, we're changing and he sees me wearing a Seahawks shirt and he just looks at me cross-eyed and goes. I don't think we're going to be able to be friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's so he's, he's got local bronco pride that you just can't hide. So there you are, Denver.
0: <laughs> so what is your what is your award pick for his absolute coolest moment?
1: I still think it was when he was like, I can't really skate around yeah. uh, with these skates." And it, I mean, the, the the underlying theme of the whole trip was. Suarez was actually really athletic too. but was like, my goodness, what can't Cole Pern do? Look at this dude, man! Yeah, we should have known they were gonna win.
0: That was pretty great, you're right? You're right. Okay, so uh, the next category is most impactful retirement. Now, there's a there's a little qualifier on this because it's the non junior division of mm. the most impactful retirement. So um, obviously that leaves us with Kenseth. It leaves us with Danica. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that. Other drivers are retiring, so to speak. So I, I wouldn't really throw like a, like a Landon Castle yeah. in here, but I don't, you know, Landon Castle doesn't have a ride. But it it pretty much comes down to a debate. I think is why you propose this category. It's a, it's a debate who will have the, the bigger impact on leaving Danica or Kenseth. Do you want to go first here?
1: Yeah, I'll go first. I I, I think it's Danica. Um, I mean, obviously Matt Kenseth, a former champion. Uh, a, a good quote, a guy the media likes working with because he is wryly funny um, at, at his age in his 40s, still a winner, still in great shape, You know, lost his job to a younger guy. But my, my point is if you get in a cab or an Uber in New York and for whatever reason the person strikes up a conversation about what you do, they will know three drivers. And I, this has been my experience. The average person in a non Southern or you know, Midwestern hotbed NASCAR area, they will know Jeff Gordon, they will know Dale Earnhardt Jr., and they will know Danica Patrick. And the fact that now that, that Trinity is gone, Danica being the third one after she runs her Danica double next year, I think it's a really big deal to the sport because even as while the sport is still trying to get mainstream eyeballs on, on the, on its uh, racing series, She's gone. That's another really marketable personality, even despite her sponsor problems. That that's out of there,
0: and yeah. I think that's a big deal. No, I, I, it's it's hard to argue with you on this because um, just for the fact that she brings so many so much attention from outside the sport, um, and really is responsible for uh, a lot of little girls um, and young women in general just getting interested in the sport. Um, you know, you have people who. For instance, um Cindy, the intern, who helps me with uh, with transcribing um, some of my interviews and stuff um, during the year, she uh, only is a NASCAR fan basically because of Danica. She'd heard of Danica who was watching mm-hmm. a race and and that got her into it. Now she likes all of you know all the sport in general and all the all the drivers and stuff, but that got her into it. So when you have somebody like that going away, obviously it says a lot about Kenseth uh, it says about the economics of the sport for Kenseth not have a ride, so that's that's an impact I guess that we can see. But Kenseth was going to be gone in a couple years anyway, so I mm-hmm. kind of have to go with you and just say that um, it's going to be a bigger impact to not have Danica around. And um, you know, like you know, when I would go home or something and, and talk to my friends Colorado or something, and you know, they they know Danica, like you said. It's mm-hmm. uh, if I said Matt Kenseth, they're not going to necessarily know. So we agree on that one. Uh, next category is going to be worst media center <laughs> in NASCAR. So uh, let's run through some of the categories here. You know, the first one that comes to mind is uh, is Phoenix. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, I would also say Richmond. Definitely. And uh, what what other ones would would you nominate?
1: One of mine is not that the facilities are that bad except for being deafeningly loud is uh, is New Hampshire because it combines two of my least favorite things, which is being deafened and being frozen. So while I'm being frozen and deafened at the same time is it, really bad for me. And I don't understand why it has to be 42 degrees inside and 88 degrees outside. And then I have to go from a parka to like a tank top. And that's just agitating to me. So uh, New Hampshire, adjust your thermostat. I, I'm I'm not down with that.
0: Okay, yeah, so here's the thing. Let's back up for a second because, you know, this always can get kind of controversial for people that aren't in the media because they're like, why are you guys whining? Here, my thing is I, I just want very simple things. I, I want um, internet that works. Mm-hmm. I want enough plugs to plug in my computer or my phone, which you would be surprised that still how many media centers today mm-hmm. um, don't have plugs. I mean, even modern media centers, you're like, uh, and you're, you're all sharing like a power outlet strip that somebody's happened to bring and you're, you're kind of fighting for the power, um, not fighting the power, but fighting Fight for the power.
1: power. <laughs> yeah. Fight the powers that be and even the power that uh, won't be. Yes. I digress.
0: So, um, really, I mean, you know, you, you people could talk about the food they could talk about all oh, that, you know, they don't, they don't want to, it's not, uh, they can't see, there's no windows as long as there's a uh, TV internet and power outlets Um, and then room to work, just, you know, a lot of these, you know, Phoenix, for instance, you're having to squeeze by people. They're already crammed all the way up against their desk. And you're like, I'm sorry, excuse me, you know, but uh, here's the good news, Brant. They're getting rid of Phoenix media center and Richmond media center.
1: Isn't that good news? They finally got on the list. And I, and I'm like you, I'm a person who cringes when certain members of the media or honestly, certain drivers. Complain about their travel experience. Now, I think we cringe a little harder because we're jealous when a driver cringes, talk, complains about their flying experience because they're probably on a private aircraft and they've got even more legroom. But anyway, even if you're if you're flying commercial and a reporter goes, oh, my plane, my plane took off too late at American Airlines, and they're just begging for some sort of Twitter hug. I just can't imagine that the average fan really gives a crap because they would probably rather trade places with us and sit on that tarmac and eventually get to Texas and go cover the race. So in in keeping with that, yes, I agree. I would sit on one of those little house in the prairie desks where you have to lift up that wooden top and you keep all your cipher and stuff and your chalk down in there. I'll even bring my own Wi-Fi hotspot, knowing the tracks are in the middle of nowhere, and I don't need Wi-Fi. Now, I would like to have a TV for scoring and a TV for the, the race, Take out windows. I don't care to look at the back of the haulers and the dudes cooking the the chicken for the crew. Anyway, it's just a small amount of stuff. A bathroom would be nice, I guess. If you had a secluded place with a bucket, that would suffice. It's kind of skanky, but whatever. But yes, just a place, just a, a just a modest little place to work. It doesn't have to be fancy. And I bring my own food anyway. Don't don't even feed us. Make us all bring lunch boxes. Just the simplest little thing.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. So that's where we're coming from on the worst media center. And so. Uh, I would say Phoenix and um, Richmond have sort of are are failures at times along those lines. Very cramped, very small, very old. But um, so I I will say if I had to pick one, I would say Phoenix is the worst.
1: Phoenix is the winner.
0: Okay. Phoenix wins.
1: Phoenix wins. But
0: just, I I do agree with you about like travel stuff. Nobody wants to hear about bad travel. If my flights are delayed, nobody wants to hear about it. The one flight that I mentioned um, with travel problems this year, was when it looked like I wasn't going to be able able to get to Phoenix from Albuquerque on after the uh, Las Vegas fight, and I had to take this airline boutique airlines, and so I, I made it into sort of like an adventure <laughs> log. Um, Wait a minute,
1: by, by by boutique, it had like fancy little French lamps with the long pull cord.
0: No, quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. Oh. It was oh. a it was a private uh, small plane that you can buy a seat on, um, which I for had never 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 heard of this.
1: For how much?
0: It was Ish. only like uh, maybe two hundred bucks one way, I think.
1: What? Um, Why is that a thing?
0: But it was it was a very it was the worst travel experience. Like it was yeah. not. Uh, you walk up, you don't go through security, and you would have to you'd have to go in there. I tried going through security, and they said, "No, no, no, no. That's that's boutique airlines is, is over here. This other, <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, it is. Then you you don't, don't have to, to go, go there sec- with the dirty people." <laughs> so, um, you go to this gate and. There's like six people sitting there and I'm like, what is going on? And then this lady comes up and there's no speaker or anything. She just, she just said, all right, we're ready to board. And That's everybody's like, okay. So you walk up and, and she just says like, I didn't have to show my ID. She goes, what's your huh. name? I'm like, uh, Jeff Gluck." She's like, okay, how much is your bag weigh?" I put it on a little scale. She goes, okay. So then I get on this plane. They had no bathroom, no flight attendant. The Ooh. cockpit was open to the front. And it was this little propeller plane um, that had, like, literally six seats. And it was uh, quite – and I was sitting all the way in the back next to a cargo net where the luggage was behind us. So it was quite a uh, wow experience there, yeah.
1: That's like the setup to a TV show or something, like like a lost kind of spin-off. Remember when I, I got sent to New Hampshire at the last minute and I spent 24 – I spent the whole weekend in Miami? That was fun.
0: Oh, yeah. that See, now that's – those kind of travel experiences that's it, 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 when it's a funny story I mean yeah. sorry for you but um, yeah. Yeah. you know I, I think it's it's worth sharing otherwise you're right nobody wants to hear about it yeah. so uh, let's move on to the next category which is biggest disappointment. now obviously you know I think this could go for a driver who had a bad season, but uh, we could also do team or manufacturer or something. Uh, In NASCAR in general so let's let's just start with a a bunch of nominees here
1: Mm -hmm. okay all right I've got I've got several but I'm only going to say one because I think there's an infinite amount of these I will say and this is this is going to sound funny a little bit but listen but hear me out I think one one of the biggest disappointments is Kyle Larson having the season that he had and not making it to the championship final because whereas the season turned out probably as it should with Truex winning because he won won a lot and he was the best in the regular season. Kyle Larson was number 2 or 2.5 for much of that year, and I think it would have been pretty dramatic to have had both of them going at it at Homestead, especially with how good Larson is at Homestead. So I I nominate that.
0: Okay, that's that's a very creative think-outside-the-box one. I like that. I was thinking along the lines of uh, a Hendrick Motorsports
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know,
0: you have Jimmy Johnson with his worst s- statistical season. Uh, you could not get Dale Jr. into Victory Lane in his final year. Um, Chase Elliott did not win, despite. Whoa! Being... I
1: feel like you're kind of running off here, buddy. I feel like you just like three to one now. I feel like three to one. Get a little greedy with the gluckies.
0: Well, I'm just saying. I, I'm just listing my reasons for the overall oh. overall Hendrick. Oh.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Yes. Because that that encompasses all these people, you know what I'm saying? Oh,
1: it's a it's a broad nomination. I got you. Okay. Right.
0: So Hendrick as a whole, um, you could also say, uh, you know, Team Penske.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: but but then you know at least Logano. I guess Logano. Yeah. You know Keselowski ends up making the final four, so all the talk about well we don't have an, we don't have as much speed. I mean they ultimately did at least do enough to make it, and you can't really blame Ford that much because Kevin Harvick was pretty strong and almost had a chance to win the title. Yeah. So I don't know that it's like necessarily Ford is so behind, you know. Um, yeah, I
1: think Logano was definitely one with his encumbrance after the uh, Richmond win that keeps, you know, he loses his, his slot to the playoffs. Yeah. You know, yearly contender. That was a big deal.
0: That that was pretty big. Because, I mean, we, we look at it now and we go, yeah, they just weren't as fast. But before the season, going into it, Logano was my championship pick. So mm-hmm. I was And there was pretty, good
1: reason to say that too.
0: Yeah, I was shocked that he didn't make the playoffs. I mean, that's Yeah, you know what? Just thinking about it, I, I would have to my pick's going to be Logano for biggest disappointment even more more than Hendrick Motorsports as a whole. What's your what's mm-hmm. your pick? You going to go with Kyle Larson?
1: Well, like I said, as Larson is a bit nuanced, I don't know. If it, I, it's tough to call him a disappointment in that his season was very well, good. Yeah, I think you're not. It,
0: you're not saying that he is. It's just that the fact that he didn't make it to the finals. Once. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it's sort of a macro thing. I think if you're if you're the network, and if you're the sanctioning body, it would have been pretty compelling for you, notwithstanding who made the final, to have Larson in there but uh i think if you're gonna go just sort of black and white with it i think you got to look at logano um a a championship runner-up missing out and missing out what what was was the uh the measurement that they quoted was it one thirty-second of an inch that uh, todd gordon was saying that that uh they were off in the back there so and, and they also claimed that it offered no competitive advantage so they say so, yeah, I would think that that championship caliber team uh, missing out on the playoffs because of that is probably your top disappointment.
0: Okay. So next on the list is the young driver, let's say, uh, you know, 25 years old or under. So the young driver most likely to never be named on the biggest disappointment list in their career. So we're going to project here. Who Who's never going to let you down, Brant? Who's never gonna,
1: never gonna give me up, never gonna let me down. Never, I'm butchering that terrible song lyrics. I think, I think it's gonna be Chase Elliott because I think he's a good driver. Uh, he's displayed an incredible knack for finishing second and in the top five. He's you know got break through. He's had some disappointments there with getting going for that win. <clears throat> but I think one of the reasons that he's not going to disappoint people. Is he looks like he's gonna be the, the next most popular guy. I mean, he's he's not exactly an overt personality. He's grown a little bit in the role, but he's at least to us, he's this quietish Chase Elliott, you know, guy with the southern draw. Kinda does his business. Every once in a while he'll get a little heated if a guy named Denny Hamlin messes with him on the racetrack, but then he sort of recesses back into his more reserved, outward personality. But the fans seem to be just absolutely just coveting and devouring those moments and he looks like like his father Bill he is gonna start uh, picking up the most uh, popular driver awards and I don't think that um, it, I don't know what would make that love go away because you know he's yet to win and he's yet to you know jump off the, the top of a car and be this outlandish personality but he already seems like he's on his way to being beloved so I think I think it's him.
0: Okay, see, I can't go with him at all for the reasons that you mentioned because what? when when he's the most popular driver or when he's, you know, you, when you have high expectations for somebody or when somebody's in the spotlight, that's when you get disappointed. So I'm looking for somebody here who's never going to be disappointed. That means they can't have super high expectations in my mind. Wow. so like um okay. i can't go with chase elliot because he's always gonna have a spotlight on him and it's gonna be the same thing almost as junior like well how, how come you haven't won all these championships chase if you're the most popular guy um you know and i also can't really say that even about like larson because yeah. larson as good as he is he's always going to disappoint um it on certain occasions because he runs such a daring line and he takes chances so is he could win, you know, ten races in a year and screw up one race and then people would be like, oh it's a disappointment because he didn't win. Or, mm-hmm. you know, he he you know something happened. He he had a chance. So I can't go with him. Blaney, I don't feel you know, great about his enough about his consistency overall to feel mm-hmm. like he's gonna be. So and plus he already has high high expectations with his with his own podcast and stuff. So I'm going here for Eric Jones because Eric Jones is one of these young drivers but nobody really talks about him that much. He's won rookie of the year in all three series that he's come up through. And he's going to be getting into a Joe Gibbs Racing ride that is quite good. And but all he has to do But really, that
1: sets him up for disappointment though, doesn't it? If he if especially if in the shadow of Matt Kenseth if he comes in and he's he's C level to subpar expectations, he might disappoint you. I'm playing devil's advocate. That's,
0: here. No, that's very true. That's very true. I just feel like he's not. I feel like he's going to improve from where he was in the seventy-seven car this year, and he'll mm-hmm. be, you know, a, a good driver. He might win a race. Um, he, he's going to make. He's going to make the playoffs, and he's just going to be solid and consistent. Um, so I don't feel like he is going to. I guess I'm taking a gamble that he's not going to. Um, fail in the shadow of Kenseth, but I feel like he's he's like a, st- a step better than Suarez. He has more experience on pavement and, and bigger oval tracks than Suarez, I think. And um, I don't know. I just feel like uh, I feel like that's gonna that's gonna be the guy I'm going with.
1: All right. So you're predicting sort of like a
0: Biffelish arc
1: for him in his career.
0: I think even like a, a Kenseth arc. I mean, I feel like he yeah. can be you know a, a quiet, steady, consistent driver not a ton of flash uh, mm-hmm. you know but he does have a little bit of a hot streak at times like Kyle but I mean the guys the guy's really good um, he showed it at flashes this time this at, at times this year but couldn't close out a lot of the races but uh, I think I think the talent's there so yeah see what happens all we right we're, we're, down, we're down to our uh, our last two awards
1: hey do we vote on that I think we're tied I don't know we're, we're gonna you know what you're gonna have to do I still say Chase Elliott. You say Eric, say Eric Jones. I think you're going to need to do a, a fan vote to break that tie for the for the glucky uh, for young driver most likely to never be a big biggest biggest disappointment.
0: I think you mean the Breff. The
1: breath. <laughs> That's a terrible name. It sounds like <laughs> some sort of. I don't even know what it sounds like. It sounds like some sort of asthmatic association award. And if anyone here has asthma, I apologize. I'm not making fun of you. But seriously, you admit the breath award just doesn't have a ring to it. No. Like <laughs> the Glucky.
0: Breath. B-R-E-F-F.
1: Oh, breath. Brant
0: ah. plus Jeff, you see? Not breath.
1: I just, It's not making my heart sing.
0: <laughs> hey. Glucky makes your heart sing. Wow. Yeah,
1: I, I, really quite like it. Matter of fact, while we've been online, I've already gone to Cafe Press and ordered fifty T-shirts that I'm going to wear with my jeffgluck.com hat.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so uh, let's go to the most quotable driver here. Um, I don't. I. You know, this is. It's 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 going to be tough to go against Dale Jr. But yeah. we can we can lay out some of the reasons. Are, are you in agreement that it's probably going to be? Yeah. A junior Yeah, this
1: almost needs to have a non-junior division too, because it's it's now that uh, Jeff Gordon is gone. Also, um, that that's that's an upper upper elite category. That that's Champions League of quotes.
0: Yeah, I mean Sorry. Dale Junior is. I, I think you've you've done uh, more professional sports uh, than I have, but I feel like he's the the best quote in all of sports. Um, he, he just, just the way he approaches his Q and a sessions. I mean, gosh, it was, uh, it was the Watkins Glen race and he, you were at Watkins Glen, right? I was. Yeah.
1: yeah. I know the quote. I know yeah. the answer that you're referring to. And, yeah, and, it was and, great. And
0: it was a Jerry Jordan question and Jerry, uh, if he's listening, um, he, you know, he may acknowledge, I don't know that this, this was what really, he was really going for with this question. I mean, it was, I think if I remember right it was Jerry question. It was kind of a roundabout question Mm -hmm. and junior took it and made it a completely different direction and gave like the best quote of like the season as far as a media center interview where he's going on about, you know, the driver's salaries and this is what got Kevin Harvick ultimately so angry Mm -hmm. with him, I guess enough to to flame him on all that stuff on his radio show. But, um, you know, he just sits there and he lays out the entire driver's salary thing and to that point, I think we had all been saying, "Well, the economics of sport are changing," but you know, he explained it almost better than all the media people had been putting <laughs> yeah. it into terms. I mean, he put it so well. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Uh, he there's there's so many layers to him and his his interviews throughout time, and it they've gotten better, but they've always been really pretty good. His his willingness to sit there and answer the most personal of questions coming from his background of you know, his, his father did this. His father raised him to do this, helped, you know, made it hard, but helped him do this. His father died doing this. His willing to sit willingness to sit there and answer the most personal questions about that, about his relationship with his stepmother when that was going wrong in dei, about his career nearly ending with concussions. And we I surely, I know I, all of us, were bugging the crap out of him about every time that he had, you know, a headache or something. And I have never seen another pro athlete anywhere, any sport – he's great in one-on-one situations too. But I've never seen a pro athlete with the – not only the willingness but almost the need to go in front of a large group of people and he feels like it is his responsibility to give you something when you ask. And he seems almost better in these large, large groups. And there are also times when he goes in where he has a thought and I think social media has helped him realize the, the power that the size of the hammer in his hand. And he has a thought and he uses these forms to put it out there. And it, it seemed like he was little, he was taken aback by Kevin Harvick's blowback because we've not traditionally seen in the media blowback against junior. Uh, but this time there was, but he, the way that he uses the platform, not just to advance you know, goals or advanced thoughts that he has or theories, but just to give something in the most just opening a vein situation is just absolutely unique, unique to him. And it's pretty incredible. And it's, it's pretty lucky for us and people who, who read, you know, stuff about him.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think he was stung by the, the Harvick things that, that definitely caught him off guard. And I think it, um, but what's good about it is I don't think it's made him gun shy because at New Hampshire, uh, in September, he was outspoken about the, um, the burnouts, the drivers doing the burnouts that Absolutely. and and, yep. and that was a, another example of what you're talking about. Um, and so he could have, you know, that could have been something where he's like, Oh gosh, the the drivers are going to get mad at me. Um, I remember he was walking out of that press conference and he, you know, he's like, he, you know, waved at me. He's like, you think they're going to get mad? And I was like, who, NASCAR? He's like, no, the drivers. I'm like, <laughs> no, why, why would they? He's like, I don't know. I, you know, I'm like but I think you know. So I think he was he had it on his mind yeah. after the Harvick stuff. But I yeah. don't think it stops him. And so that's gonna what that's he's gonna be a good broadcaster because of that because he's he's gonna be honest and he's not gonna pull punches. I don't think. But he'll you know he's he knows what he's gonna say is is not always gonna be popular.
1: Yeah, he's got a great chance as a broadcaster. It's gonna be really interesting. You would you would hope that he doesn't get tempered and Sam flooded at nBC has said that they want him to be him and you would hope that he keeps that unvarnished really raw honest um you know sort of tone about him even as he learns the business you know there he just has to learn the technical aspect but you really hope that he he keeps coming with the raw junior feed because it's good stuff
0: so um if you had to pick a non junior best quote or project who will be the best quote um uh, right. next year what would which real quickly what what do you think it would be
1: uh well, Jimmy Johnson remains really, really good. Really, um, yeah. I, I've always had good luck with Jimmy Johnson. I, I think he'll. I think he gives gives stuff. I, I I really liked his honesty, um, in admitting how much they cared and wanted to go for eight, and and they could have just not talked about it. I mean, they they hashtagged it pretty early, um, as as we do now in, in this uh, media realm. But I, I've always found him to be you know pretty. Pretty very good, you know. Talking about his family, uh, going up to, to Colorado and sort of living there, and the pressures of the championship and how much they want the next one. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Jimmy's good. I, I've always thought he was uh, very high caliber. Also,
0: okay. Well, I mean, I feel like he he talks and he tries to be open, but as far as like the golden quotes, I don't. I, I feel like you know, I, I would go with Keselowski, um, mm. you know, for for a second guy because. He when he wants to be now Keselowski doesn't always want to be open or sharing. Sometimes he can be short a little bit, uh, where he's just not in the mood. But when he wants to go off, he can, uh, he can give you some golden quotes. And then Kyle Bush as well would be one that I would yeah. consider because he just can't help himself. So like we talked earlier from those soundbite-ish type quotes where he's you know even even the sometimes you just don't like a guy. Mm-hmm. quote type thing at, yeah. at, at homestead i mean the stuff, stuff comes out of kyle's mouth sometimes where you're like whoa that was that was interesting so it
1: just uh, i'll give you one more this one's sort of off the wall there there are some drivers that i'll interview and they'll i'll i'll leave the interview and i'm like that was really good and i'll go back and i'll transcribe and i'll say to myself that was not as nearly as good as i thought it was and there's some drivers that you interview and you're like this isn't really going very well and then you transcribe, and there's a lot of little nuggets in there. Over my brief sample with him, I found Austin Dillon to be type two, where you go back and you listen, and there's, there's nuggets in there. There's not necessarily digs, but there's info, there's there's just pointed things, or just, he can break down uh, different things pretty well, and he's, he's pretty honest sometimes about his opinions on things. So I'll, um, I'll throw him as a dark horse, an honorable mention, but I think Austin Dillon is better than he gets credit for sometimes.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on Dylan. Um, you know, a lot of fans don't like him, but he's, you know, he has a personality in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he could be really, really interesting if he ever gets to the point where he's hes winning some races. So, our final award in the Breath Awards. <laughs> Terrible. I just, I just, I just <laughs> like to hear your reaction at this point. Um,
1: <laughs> I am just going to start writing things here because I'm coming up with a new name before we're done. Keep Keep talking, mister. Okay.
0: is the Most Valuable Driver Award. And that is the driver who elevates their car beyond where we think it should probably be running. So um, some nominees here, obviously, would be Kyle Larson. I mean, here's a guy who takes that car and does unbelievable things with it, uh, can seem to get it to the front. And although Jamie McMurray did have a very, very solid year, Mm points-wise, he wasn't in contention to win races like, larson was so um you know i would think that that he would that larson would be a nominee uh kyle Busch, i mean as much as we talked about toyota and all that stuff this year it was really about truex and kyle bush and furniture row definitely seemed to have more speed than uh jgr even though they're the partners but yet kyle bush was the one at jgr who was really outshining his teammates i mean even kenseth and denny hamlin who are winning veteran drivers so um, I thought that was that was one where he could be nominated, um, and then I would also throw Chase Elliott in there, just because mm-hmm. he was the best Hendrick running driver every week. He was in contention for wins, although he never won, and uh, it seemed like he was running better than than Hendrick uh, as a whole was. So, who who else would you want to throw in here, Brant?
1: Yeah, those you you got uh, several of mine, including McMurray. Um, he might have been my top one. I, I would also maybe put Harvick in there. Because not counting Kurt Busch's Daytona 500 when the Fords did have or Stuart Haas did have some trouble or, or take some time to get acclimated. It seemed to the Fords, but I think he's been a guy that may maybe get some three or four uh, more spots than maybe they would deserve to get on the day when the car is not great. And he, you know, he came on uh, strong there at the end, so you know, further burnishing his his uh, reputation as the closer that fearful dude who's coming on at the end of races and at the end of season. So I think I might put Harvick in there too.
0: Honestly, I mean you, that, that's a great pick. And I actually might have to, I, I my vote may be for your, for the pick you just mentioned, because if you think about it, I mean, okay, here's my reasoning on this. So Larson, he, he definitely elevates that car, but just the fact that he wasn't able to make it in the playoffs, it's hard to put him ahead of the, the drivers who did excel in that in that mm-hmm. standpoint. And um, mm-hmm. Kyle Busch, you know, it's, even though I think he's he's maybe the most purely talented driver, he did have a great car, you know, with Toyotas overall this year. So it's hard to say, yeah, he was really the most valuable. Um, and then Chase Elliott, the fact that he didn't win. So the fact that Harvick, you're right, outran his teammates. I mean, Clint Boyer didn't, didn't make the playoffs. He, he had some good runs. Kurt Busch shouldn't have made the playoffs based on points, but his win got him in. Danico was never really competitive. And then you have Harvick, who really, you know, could have won the championship. And mm-hmm. um, he was impressive. Now he only won two races. It took them a while to get going, but he he won on a mile and a half track. So, man, you you I, I would actually say Kevin Harvick, most valuable driver, is my that's my pick. What do you what do you think?
1: I think he just got a glucky. <laughs> <laughs> so i couldn't think of anything else i can't think of it we've got a very incompatible set of names i mean it's it's not like you have a pen and then you have an apple and then you have uh, an apple pen it's not like that at all you know so what so
0: what you're saying is on most of the awards today on our 10 awards we we agreed on the majority however we yeah. did not agree on what to name the awards I think, you gotta,
1: I think you got to throw it out there because, you know, we, we put our non-creative collection of mush gray minds together and we have nothing. So I, I think this has become an interactive workshop.
0: OK, so if you want to talk about the podcast with Brant James, who's at Brant James on Twitter or myself, it looks like you're going to have to do double hashtags. You're going to have to do – or you could pick your hashtag. How about that? You could pick your hashtag yeah. – with which to talk about it, and you can say uh, either hashtag Bref, B R E F F, which Brant hates. Why, which why would you, honestly? <laughs> I I just don't like the the awards being named solely after me when you're such a big part of the the awards <laughs> here.
1: You are the media organization. See, I'm I'm speaking in Canadian in honor of Cole Pern. I
0: think I,
1: I'm I'm just a cog in this wheel. Okay, well, a if, super if important one, a super important one, Mister.
0: If you are on Team Brandt with this, then you you can put hashtag Glucky Yay! for these awards, which I guess, like the podcast, are the untitled NASCAR <laughs> awards for now until we get until we see your podcast. So, um, if you're interested in checking out my Patreon page, which is Patreon.com/slash Jeff underscore Gluck, um, I use some Patreon money to lure Brandt into this podcast. And so that could be more podcasts in the future. So I appreciate those patrons um, for getting some high quality contributors here. I I think Brant's high quality. I don't know about you. Are you high quality, Brant?
1: You're trying to get back on the Christmas card list, aren't you?
0: Am I too late? Did you already send them out?
1: It's right on the edge. I think you're back on.
0: Okay, so if I go with Gluckys, I might get one?
1: Yeah, and don't be mad if you get it on the 26th.
0: Okay, Just well saying. I would be kinda of mad. I but you know You're not getting one though, to be honest.
1: Seriously? That's hurtful.
0: Well, it is seriously, because we don't send out Christmas cards, so
1: Yeah, we don't send too many either. I'll be honest with you. But I would go oh. find one in the bottom of my drawer and send it to you.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's the kind of friend you are, Brant. And that's the kind I'm of there, friends please. all of you who are listening are. We appreciate all of you. And we will talk to you next time on the untitled Jeff Gluck podcast.